0: Recently, I had the opportunity to fly in a little plane. When I say little, I mean three people counting the pilot little, across the middle of nowhere in Alaska in a mountain pass. I asked the pilot, because it was cloudy that day, how he would be flying. And he said he'd be flying under VFR, visual flight rules. Now, for those of you who are familiar with being a pilot or flying in a very small airplane with somebody who's flying VFR, visual flight rules, you would have understood my concern. Flying visual flight rules, flying VFR, means that you need to maintain the ability to see the land, to see the horizon, to see the mountains. Because if you lose sight of the horizon and you get in the clouds and all you see is white and you're flying VFR and you have no ability to fly by instruments then you will begin to believe you know where you're flying. Your brain will make you think you know what it feels like to be right side up. That you know what it feels like to be upside down. You know what it feels like to go to the left and go to the right. But if you're in the clouds and you can't see, your brain will tell you you can see and you will often be wrong you will believe that you're flying straight up out of the clouds to safety while you are actually upside down flying straight down to the ground. This is real. So I'm getting into this plane on a cloudy day flying through a mountain pass and I ask the pilot, are you flying VFR? Yes. Well, I've been up in little planes with some pilots. I've got friends who are pilots, family who are pilots, and I know what it's like to be up there. I've sat in the cockpit of a little bitty plane and gone through the disorientation of thinking you're going to the left when you're actually going to the right. And I was extremely nervous when this man said we're flying VFR. It got worse. Because once we took off and got into the mountain pass, we entered clouds. The clouds were very low. It's hard to stay low out of the clouds. And there were times when we went into the clouds and I felt like it was forever. And you couldn't see anything but the clouds. And I kept asking him, do you know where we're going? Because I'm thinking to myself, you may think you can see and not be able to see, and we're all gonna be in big trouble and you're going to fly right into a mountain. And so I was extremely nervous. We're grateful that we made it, but there is simply nothing worse than thinking you can see all the while not being able to see at all. Now, I tell you that story because I think relationships are a lot like flying VFR in the clouds. I mean, take marriage, for example. Have you ever thought your spouse meant something and that something was really hurtful to you only to discover that your spouse didn't mean what you thought he or she meant and if you'd have known what they really meant you wouldn't have been hurt at all but you didn't discover that until you got in the clouds and nosedive into the ground and crash landed have you ever been there some of you are nodding your heads and I'm not the only one I mean, sometimes I feel like in my marriage I'm flying through clear skies and then all of a sudden I hit a patch of cloudiness of challenges and I think that I can see really clearly only to discover I was flying upside down straight to the ground. Relationships are challenging like that. They're really challenging in the area of family. Relationships with just friends can be equally as challenging have you ever walked into a room and saw a group of your friends across the room in a circle talking and you walked into the room and they all looked up as you walked in and as they looked at you and you looked at them they were laughing that ever happened to you Some of us in this room, if you were to have that experience, the first thought you would have is, they're laughing at me. And you would immediately think you see clearly. Now, some of us, depending on personality, would say, I think they're laughing at me. And then your next thought would be, what's wrong with me? And some of you in here with a different personality would think they're laughing at me. What's wrong with them? (laughs) The fact is, most of us would walk into that scenario and think we see more than we actually see. I mean, what would it be like to walk up to that group and have a cold attitude towards that group of friends because you saw them laughing and you were certain what you saw was more than what you really saw? And you walk up and you have this cold attitude only to find out they were laughing about something totally unrelated. And they had actually been talking about how thankful they are for you. Feel a little awkward in that moment? I mean, relationships are hard. Relationships in marriage. Relationships with friends. Relationships in the church. Have you ever been offended by someone in the church? You've been hurt by somebody in the church. I mean, if you've been a part of a church for very long at all, your answer is yes. Relationships are challenging. And it wouldn't be a whole lot better if we could see more clearly when it comes to relationships? Let's read together 1 John chapter two. We're going to read verses seven through 11. We're going to read all of those verses together, and then we're going to look at each major section of the passage. It's two major sections, verses 7 and 8, verses 9 through 11. So let's read it all together. We'll come back and catch the sections. First John chapter 2, verse 7. Beloved, I'm not writing a new command to you, but an old command which you've had from the beginning. The old command is the word which you heard. Yet I am writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no stumbling in him. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks about in the darkness and does not know where he goes because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm so grateful that a passage dealing with relationships that are so hard starts with the address, beloved. John again is expressing the sentiments of God. God cares about our relationships. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your friendships. He cares about us walking through the challenges of relationships. John starts by saying, I'm not writing to you a new command. It's an old command. Wait a minute. It is a new command. So how can something be old and new at the same time? If I were to say to you, hey, I got a new vehicle. You might say to me, hey, what'd you get? And I might say to you, I got a 2009 pickup. Well, immediately you would know that I did not get a new vehicle. It was a vehicle that was new to me, but it's an old vehicle because it was new to somebody else a long time before it was new to me. So something can be old and new in that sense. And in that sense, John is talking about a commandment that was given many, many years before he's talking about it to his readers. It goes all the way back to the beginning. You could begin to read about it in Genesis, in Exodus, and Leviticus, way back in the beginning of the Bible in the Old Testament, thousands of years before what we're reading now. So it's an old command. But it's being given anew to the people. John is writing into us. And so this old command is now being delivered anew. It's old and new, but it's far more significant than that. There's much more to the idea of something old and new related to the command. When Lindley and I moved to Abilene in 2000, it was like a a time of plagues in Abilene. It was a severe famine. We'd had many, many days above 100 degrees and no rain. It was a severe drought, and there were multiple infestations of insects. It felt like we were in a plague from the Lord. It was terrible. And one of the infestations was an infestation of black caterpillars. Now, some people might think caterpillars are cute. Not when it's an infestation. They were everywhere. It was terrible. Everywhere you looked, everywhere you walked were these black caterpillars. A complete infestation. We celebrate the day that those caterpillars began to turn into butterflies and fly out of our lives forever. Now the caterpillar was still there in the butterfly. So the old was still there, but the butterfly becomes something new. That, that's... What you have here. John is talking about. An old command. That needed. To become something new. You see in Jesus day. People had taken the old command. That John is talking about here. Love your neighbor. And they had done something with it. They had changed and and warped it so that love your neighbor meant to love the person that was a good neighbor. But the person who was a bad neighbor, you could hate them. And you could treat them whatever way you wanted to treat them and still obey the command because the command really meant love your neighbor who's a good neighbor and hate your neighbor, who's more like an enemy. In fact, Jesus actually said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you might be children of God. That's what Jesus says. He takes the old commandment that had become warped like an infestation and he changes it into something new. The infestation becomes this butterfly that flies up and gives us a picture of what God meant When he said, love your neighbor. This is how Jesus said it. He said it, I want you to love one another. John 13, 34. I want you to love one another. That's the old commandment. And then he says, like I have loved you. There's the new. Jesus says, here's the old, love one another, but this is how I want you to do it. Like I've loved you. Do you know how Jesus has loved us? Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Do you want to know how Christ loved us? us while we were his enemies he demonstrated his love for us here's the old command love your neighbor here's the new command love your neighbor even when your neighbor is your enemy that sounds impossible I want you to notice how this first section ends. I do write to you a new commandment, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the light, the true light is already shining. Do you hear the hope in that? I'm writing to you this new commandment. It's not just about loving your neighbor. It's not just about loving your brother. It's loving the brother you feel like you have a reason to hate and writing that commandment to you which is true in Christ Christ has done that you are the evidence of that he has loved his enemy by giving his life on the cross for you when you were at your worst it's true in him because it's true in him if you are in him it can be true in you what is impossible to love your enemy is possible because Of Christ, because in Christ the darkness is passing away. The darkness, the clouds of the difficulty of loving someone who feels more like an enemy is passing away because the light of Christ is shining on your life. Have you ever been driving in the middle of the night? No one else out there, you're in the middle of nowhere, it's completely dark, there's no full moon, it is pitch black. And you're driving down the highway. And all you see in front of your car is just the beams of your headlights. And everywhere else around the beams of your headlight clearly is darkness. And then over that little rise comes a massive 18-wheeler with his bright lights on. You ever had that experience? You can flash your brights at that car all you want. It's not going to change the experience you're fixing to have. Because if that 18-wheeler comes at you with its bright lights on, you know what's going to happen to the darkness that's around your car? It's going to just be pushed out by the light of that oncoming vehicle. And all you will see for a split second once that 18-wheeler comes by is just the light. There's nothing but light. That's what's happening in Christ. Christ is coming towards us full on with his love. And his light of his love is... Pushing out the darkness and the cloudiness of the challenges of relationships that exist when we try to love each other. And we find that we have people in our lives that are not easy to love. Well, Christ's love pushes out the darkness and shines in his light so that more and more the reasons for the challenges of relationships become less and less prominent because of the significance of his love overtaking our hearts. Love your brother, even the brother you feel like you should hate. You can do it because the light of Christ is pushing out the clouds of your relationships. You can do it. Hope. So let's dig in. Let's dig in what's going on here in verses 9 through 11. The one who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. If you claim to know God, if you claim to have fellowship with God, but you do not love a person in your life who you feel like you have reason to hate, you are not in the light like you think you're in the light. You are actually in the darkness. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother, you are not in the light, even if you think you are. Look at verse 10. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no stumbling in him. The one who loves the brother, he feels he has reason to hate, actually abides in the light, knows the Lord, is in fellowship with the Lord, and because of being in the light of fellowship with God, can see the challenges in relationship and can avoid the stumbling box inherent in the difficulty of relationships. No stumbling in this one. And this concept of stumbling is an image. It's an image not just of something you would trip over because it's in your way. It's an image of, have you seen an animal trap, a big bear trap has got the claws on it that snap together and get their leg in the trap? You know what I'm talking about? Well, on those traps, the way that they're set, the way that they're closed, is right in the middle of the trap is this little trigger plate. And when something steps on the trigger plate in the middle of the trap, the trap closes shut on the animal. The image here is that the one who loves his brother abides in the light and can see the trigger plates in all the traps of the difficulties of relationships and can avoid those traps and walk through those challenges and not fall headlong into the darkness of hatred. Look at verse 11. The one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks about in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. When you choose to hate the brother you feel you have reason to hate, you Are in darkness. What you think you can see. Hatred makes you think you can see. While blinding you. So that you cannot see your way forward. Through the challenges of relationships. It's it's like putting on a blindfold, you you can put on a blindfold and when you put on the blindfold, what was previously not a challenge to avoid, all of a sudden becomes imminent danger. If I were to spin around and lose my orientation and then walk around the stage, I suspect that I might think that the stage ledge is this way or the stairs are that way or the instruments are this way and if i were to move around here all of a sudden the things that when i was able to see in the light were easy to avoid and navigate now that i'm in the darkness Those things that otherwise would be easy to avoid become severe detriments to my life when you are blinded spiritually by your hatred. Those things that should never harm your life become threats to your spiritual life. Those things that should never be damaging in the relationships of your life become severely damaged because when you hate someone, you cannot see your way and you think because of the deception of hatred you can see clearly you're more alive than ever all the while hatred is leading you to death in fact you will treat other people in your life in ways you never imagine treating them simply because you have one person in your life that you do not love that you instead feel like you have reason to hate when you can't see everything becomes a threat when you can't see Even nothing is a danger. And the Bible says that the one who hates is in the darkness, is walking about in the darkness, cannot see where he goes, and is stepping on one stumbling block after another. And every relationship is harmed, even by one that is hatred. I want what you want. I want my relationships to be better. I wanna see clearly. I want my relationship with Lindley to be the best it can be i want my relationship my friends to be deep but here's the thing no relationship in my life my relationship with jesus christ no relationship in my life will be right if i don't see clearly so what do we do What are we to do? If I were to ask you this morning, do you hate somebody? If I were to say, hey, let's get a show of hands. How many today hate somebody? I suspect very few people would raise their hands. If I came up to you personally and one-on-one just said, hey, do you hate somebody? Most people in here are going to say, I don't hate anybody. You know why we do that? It's not because we don't, have the issue in our life is because we don't like to use the word hate. It's Strong it sounds really bad and we know we're not supposed to hate people. So we make it more polite. And we say things like. I don't really like that person that much. You know, Being around that person kind of bothers me. They're a little bit annoying. I just prefer not to be around them. We both do better if there's a lot of distance between us. We we say things like we're just not on the same page. You know, we have differences of opinion. And we use a lot of these descriptors that sound a lot more polite, but what we don't realize is that when we say things like that, we are simply indicating that we are headed in the wrong direction. Instead of asking ourselves the question, is there someone we hate? I think a better question in light of the danger of hatred is to ask the question, is there anybody in my life where the emotions I feel towards that person are moving away from love? Is there anybody in my life where I'm moving in the wrong direction? And here's where this really becomes hard. Because every one of us in this room have relationships with people in our past that have created a natural path in the wrong direction. Have you ever been abused? Have you ever been mistreated? Have you ever been neglected or rejected? Treated without respect? You ever been loved in a way that you thought wasn't really love? You ever been left out? You ever felt marginalized? There's so many things that happen in relationships that create a natural path in the wrong direction. Think about what happens in friendships. Slander, backbiting unkind words, looks that just didn't feel very loving. I mean, so many things happen in the context of relationships in the church. So many things happen in the context of family, divorce, abandonment, addiction, workaholism, a failing mom, An uncompromising father. Expectations that are unrealistic. I mean, there's so many things that happen in family, and church, and that's where a lot of us spend so much of our time that create natural pathways in the wrong direction. And we simply cannot afford to try to navigate life in blindness. I know what it's like to hate somebody. When I was in my teen years, I hated my stepdad. I would spend nights falling asleep thinking about ways I hoped he would die hated him. Hatred makes you feel alive while leading you to death. I could not see, and I stumbled over so many of the challenges in all the relationships in my life. I hurt my mom. I hurt my sister, I hurt my dad, my friends. I was doing things to the people I loved the most because I decided to hate one person and I was in the darkness and I don't want to ever be there again. I don't want you to be there. I don't want our church to be there. I want us to walk in the light and see the challenges of relationship and navigate those because of what Christ has done. I want us to take steps individually and corporately in the right direction. If you're wondering if you need to take some steps, is there somebody in your life that you actually find yourself talking about more than you're ever willing to talk to? Is there anybody in your life that when you think about that person and being around them, you get really nervous and anxious and you feel like, if I'm around the person, I'm not going to have a good time. Is there somebody in your life right now, if you had to pick teams, you'd say, there's no way on God's green earth I'd ever that person on my team. Is there somebody in your life right now that you feel jealous toward? Do you actually find yourself feeling better When things don't go well for that person and feeling worse when things go well for that person. Do you feel little pieces of anger towards that person? When that person's in the same room as you, does your joy just get sucked out of your heart? It's not hard to figure out you're headed in the wrong direction. But what makes it so challenging is you head in the wrong direction. You won't be able to know when you stopped seeing. And if today creates a break in the clouds and you see, don't miss your opportunity to get your bearings. Take your first step. This is serious. This is eternally serious. Take your first step. Remember the first step into the light is confession. Just confess, Lord. I, I'm moving in the wrong direction in a relationship in my life, and I want to confess that to you as sin because i need your righteousness to cleanse me and and i need you to be my defender and i need you to remind me that i'm under the favor of god so that i can take a step away from the sin i'm confessing to you and then what you need to do once you confess your sin is make sure you're looking at your advocate and you're regularly seeing christ who is your defender who has cleansed you from all your unrighteousness who now protects you under the favor of god so you can leave your sin and experience the favor of god as if you never hated anyone. Just keep looking at your advocate. Spend time in the Word of God every day looking at your advocate and being reminded of the favor of God under which you are protected by Jesus Christ. And and then, when you're in that place, just take some small steps in the right direction. If, If you've wronged your brother... And your brother knows it if you've been headed in the wrong direction your brother knows it then after you confess to the Lord you need to confess to your brother hey I know that I said some things did some things that were hurtful to you and I just want to tell you I'm sorry will you forgive me now you don't want to confess to your brother if your brother has no idea so don't walk up to your your brother and say hey I just want you to know you hate I just want you to know I hate your guts You probably didn't know that, but I just need to get it out there and say, I'm sorry. That's not helpful. All right? So if if your brother or your sister has no idea you've got these internal issues going on, you're headed in the wrong direction, deal with the Lord. If they do know, then go and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then begin to pray for that person. You know, there's a way that you might be inclined to pray for your enemy. Don't pray that way. Think about how you pray for the person that is the person you love the most and say, Lord, would you help me pray for the person I feel like I have reason to hate, like I pray for the person I love the most. Lord, I know I'm going to go through the motions at first, but here's the thing. I know that if I strive to take a little step, that somehow you're going to be my defender and you're going to change my heart. You're going to help me love the one I hate. I'll never forget when I realized that my hatred towards another person was my own greatest enemy. And that I could not walk in the light at all if I chose hatred and moved in the wrong direction. Listen, move in the right direction, even if it's just one little step at a time because Jesus Christ cares for you and he cares more about your relationships than you ever will and he is ready to help you move forward towards forgiveness. And you'll find welling up in you an interest to serve someone that you rather not serve. You'll find welling up in you a desire to honor someone that you think, there's no way I would ever want to honor this person. And God will change your heart and you will be able to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you will hate. If you say you were in the light but you hate your brother you were in the darkness Our family got to spend a little time in Estes Park Colorado and the first day there we, we planned this huge hike and we were going to get up at 5 in the morning and hit the trail right as the sun was coming up, and that would allow us to get back to the house around 2 and have the rest of the day to do some really fun activities. And so a group of about seven of us, we got up that morning, went out to the trailhead, we got on our hiking shoes, we went up this trail, amazing trail up to this alpine lake. It was incredible fishing, incredible scenery. Well, half of us decided to hang out the alpine lake for a couple of hours, and the other half decided to hike on down to, the, to another trailhead and then take a shuttle bus over to where the vehicle was parked and do some hiking over the vehicle and so the plan was that the group that was going to go back where the vehicle was do extra hiking would have the keys to the vehicle and would come later to pick up the group that was coming down from the fishing and hiking experience and then we'd all be reunited again and would go home and enjoy the rest of the day you see where this is going so my group is the fishing group. We were up there hanging out for a couple of hours. We hiked down to the bottom and we're sitting there waiting at the parking area, the trailhead, where the other group is supposed to come and pick us up because they have the keys to the vehicle and they're going to come get us. So we wait for about an hour, and we think, well, maybe they're on a really good trail. Because if, uh, you know, if it was flipped around the other way, I'd want them to be patient and wait for us. So we waited an hour. Then one hour turned into two. At the two-hour point, we began to think to ourselves, well, maybe this is getting a little bit unreasonable. Um, That's a little maybe selfish to not think about the fact that we've been sitting here for two hours waiting for them. But, you know, whatever. Hope they're having a good time. It'll all work out. Then two hours turned into three At the three-hour mark, we're really getting concerned. We're thinking either they don't care one lick about us or they've been eaten by bears. Uh, something has gone wrong here. I and mean, when three hours started to get close to four, we started talking to the shuttle bus driver who was shuttling to the main shuttle parking lot back and forth with our parking lot. And we said, hey, is there another group at another parking lot that's waiting for a group that thinks that group's supposed to come there, who thinks their group's supposed to come there. And, and so the shuttle drivers start talking to each other for the next half hour. And next thing you know, the shuttle driver on that side of the park is talking to the shuttle driver on this side of the park, and they figure out what's going on. And And about at the four-and-a-half-hour mark, the shuttle driver pulls into our parking lot and says to me, hey, come here. And I walk over there, and this is the words they said, you have the keys. (laughs) They said it just like Lindley would have sounded. (laughs) Kind, patient, you have the keys. So I walked to my group. I said, hold on just one second." I walked to my group and I said, she says that they say we have the keys. And we're like, we don't have the keys. We gave the keys to them. And they started saying, well, who gave them the keys? I didn't give them the keys. Did you give them the keys? I didn't give them the keys. And then one member of our group whose name will go unsaid started raffling through their backpack only to produce the keys. So we made our way to the parking lot, keys in hand, tails between our legs, and we went on with what day we had left. And I thought to myself, why couldn't have that shuttle driver said four hours earlier, you have the keys. Both groups thought they could see. They were both more blind than they knew and they stumbled all over themselves in a way that could have been avoided if somebody had just said, you have the keys. The one who says, he's in the light, but does not love his brother, who he feels he can hate, is in the darkness. May that be a clearing in the clouds that would enable us all to see clearly enough to take our first step into the light.